lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I'm good. I, I am uh, about to crack a beer, which I need desperately. Then do it. Which I need desperate. Okay. Well, well, There's n- quit wasting time. Okay. Shit or get off the pot. Shit. <laughs> it's all over. <laughs> I'm doing okay. Uh, y- you know, uh, uh, I'm ready to talk about watches, right? I'm, I'm, I'm back. I'm here. I'm present. Physically and mentally. Uh, and I, I'm just, <laughs> man, I'm ready for this. I'm ready. ready for this. For the party. I've been wearing my King Seiko almost constantly. Not quite, but almost constantly. Um, Which we just glazed over last week. We, we did because we had some important stuff. So I so uh, I, I bought this King Seiko. Kind of an impulse decision. Uh, it was a bit of a flyer. It, it was a bit of a flyer, which is, uh, you know, considering it's like, one of the most expensive watches I've ever bought. That's an odd thing to have done, but I, I have it and I love it and I and I wear it and I just am pretty enamored by it. It, it it's got a thing, right? It's clearly retro. It's clearly retro, and I think more than any other watch I've ever seriously considered for myself, it gives off distinctly retro vibes. You know, I've got that um, Siegel 1963, mm-hmm. which is similar, but but really not the same. Uh, it's more of a classic design, whereas this watch is a time capsule in so many ways. The bracelet is so distinctly mm-hmm. r- retro styling. Um, w- with that said, it's all very modern. There's nothing retro in the construction of it. Um, but I've realized a few times that... Um, I, I I don't know what I've realized. I, I don't know how I feel about that really distinctly retro vibe. Y- you know, you've done a similar thing with Q-Timex. I, I never really um, got hit by the hype for the Q-Timex. It's just kind of, uh, you know, it never really sung to me. And th- there was that, I, what is it, the Falcon Eye or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think this Falcon Eye styling is kind of similar to this King Seiko and the way the bracelet works with the case. Um, and that watch, I think it was cool. I love to look at it, but I, I always thought, well, I'm not going to buy that because I don't think I'd like a watch that retro. In some ways, this the PRX does a similar thing. But I, I think was going to say this is this is a, a high-end PRX. Y- yeah, yeah, maybe. Um <clears throat> Uh, 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 all that to say, I, I've had to sh- to sort of wrestle with that a little bit mentally because I love the watch. I love the size of it. It's a great. I mean, the size on this thing is great. I think it's thirty six and change, or maybe thirty seven. Mm-hmm. Um, it it just wears great. I love all of the glisten and gleam on this bracelet, and um, it's like a flat jubilee. Um. Gosh, I, I'm really happy with this watch, but I, I'm having to decide now if I love that retro vibe. I love the watch. I love wearing it. But there's something about that retro that sometimes I'll look down and be like, mm, I don't know. So 
I'm wearing it every day. I basically can't take it off. And when I wake up in the morning, it's the one I've been putting on. So we'll see. We'll see. I, it's because well, Kim has to see you wear it. <laughs> perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, I will say the dial is so nice. So nice. Uh, when the sun hits the dial, sometimes it's like, it almost looks like chocolatey. There is like a chocolate colored dial. This one's not. This one's the charcoal, but it's got some really warm tones and it's really dynamic. Sometimes it looks black and other times it looks something very different from black. No loom. I'm, I'm Gosh, man. That would be my hang up is no loom. And I think that could be the like the determining factor i think if you put loom on there even if it were subtle that would be just enough to be the modernization that would make it feel less retro and more like vintage inspired more 70s inspired than a 70s reissue really i mean that's that's what it feels like i actually think the no loom is <clears throat> is not compromise in fact i think it's the it's the opposite of that i think it's adherence uh to the soul of the watch which watches don't have souls i'm not suggesting that but to the spirit of the watch you know this watch isn't supposed to have loom and so we're not going to put loom on it because you don't need loom on every fucking watch um i actually kind of dig that it doesn't have it right because it it's really faithful to the idea of itself and so i'm i'm here for it um, yeah, I don't know. That bracelet is next level. That was what, when I, when I put it on for the first time, the bracelet was what did it for me. Mm. You, you know, I think it's the, the bracelets great, obviously. Uh, and I'm not suggesting it's not for me. It was the way the light hits it. You know, every time you turn this thing, even 10 degrees on any axis, you get this, you get a glimmer from somewhere on it. And I love that. I yeah, love that aspect. Like, none of them are actually flat. They're all micro angles, just constantly. Constant micro angles. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm sorry. That was a little bit of a segue. That's it, a decent segue because that's a that's a, a new cool thing. And it's a gorgeous watch. I Andrew, like that. Andrew, 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 my friend, how are you? I am so good. Because we're here. We're talking about watches. It's been a busy week. It's been a bit of a crazy week. I think I've spent more time at work than I haven't. So I'm very happy to be home. You, and you've been doing crisis negotiation. Some of that. Some of it just working long. But I'm super pleased to be home. Chilling. Drinking beer. Drinking beer. In sort of jammies. I mean, I'm just wearing shorts, but this is, a, this is about as jammy as it gets. Without being in my underpants, unless you're, if you're comfortable with that, I think I might just reduce <laughs> down to underpants. But I was gonna say you're wearing khaki shorts. It's yeah, but they're just like I don't know. There's only a two inch inseam. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> uh, but all that being said, I, I'm just excited to be here chatting about some shit going on in the watch world because we haven't done that in a while. We well, yeah, we're, we're, and we're gonna do it tonight. And some things have happened. As they as they are are wont to do, the things keep happening. They, you know, and and things that catch our eye because there's always stuff happening. Most of it I do not care about mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> like yeah, I, I don't care about Serena Williams rocking the Black Panther watch. That just doesn't. 
That doesn't sing to me. Yeah. You, you know, when you read that article like that, it's like we're marketing, m- marketing. We are, we have publications serving as marketing outlets for marketing events. We're marketing the marketing. Uh, yeah. It, I don't, I don't care either, Andrew. It, when I was kind of like con- consolidating the, the things that I thought I wanted to talk about this week that have caught my eye, one of the things that I noticed, and I, I'm, I'm going to talk about one article specifically but kind of a bigger idea. <clears throat> it's an article from Quill and Pad. It says, five more affordable tool watches I'd buy if I didn't want to spring for a Rolex Submariner reprise by John Kell. Keel. Kyle? K-E-I-L. I'm sorry, John. I don't know how to say your name. Yeah. Because that's not a name I've seen before. But I'm going to read you the watches and then I'm going to explain my bitch. He goes on to talk about how he loves the sub because who doesn't love the sub? But here is the list of watches he would buy if he didn't want to spring for a sub, which he does want to do. Hmm. The Seiko Prospects Monster 2nd Gen SRP313K1. We all know the monster. Yeah. Okay. It's a watch that 10 years ago was really cool. Yeah. It's, it's still a tool watch. We're, we're going to circle back. I'm going to give the list and then I, I need to express my bitch. Is John Keel, Kyle? Is, is John Keel the owner of, um, not Watch Box, uh, of Watch Gauge? He's Quillenpad's resident retail expert. Yeah. I think he's the fellow who. Um, maybe I don't know runs the watch gauge website which is a kind of a neat it, it's like an online retailer for micro brands maybe uh, maybe I, maybe not I, just I didn't do any research into them I just this article kind of triggered me as uh, it was the one that I picked because it was one that like I would click on and be like oh I'm interested I'm, let's look at some cool tool watches but there's some there's some things here the nth Antilles white for 500 to a thousand. So and and let's let's be really clear, John Keel is probably the second biggest retailer of nth watches. <laughs> just I'm just gonna throw that <laughs> out there. But yeah, uh, an Antilles, sure. It's for a thousand to twenty five hundred. The Oris Divers sixty five. I I have a hard time arguing with that decision. Twenty five to four thousand. The Black Bay Reference seventy nine twenty three zero B. A little on the nose, a little obvious, but mm-hmm. yes, okay. And from a four to six, the Bremont Supermarine S five hundred. You know that is a watch that you hear about so often. Yeah, on just the blogs and banging down the walls. <laughs> okay. I think I think he picked the Bremont and not the obvious watch, which is the Tudor Pelagos, because he didn't want to have two Tudors in a row. Yeah, he probably wants to offload some of these. Uh, is he selling those? S five hundred. I don't know. It's the if you're in the market for say a Panerai, but you want something just a little bit different, 
because the Panerai is too mainstream for you, the Supermarine S500 is where I'd say to go. Like, hey, it's a little bit quirky. It's it's kind of funky. It's also beautiful. This is maybe where you're looking. Like, this is the deep cut shit. This is not a, you know, I'm kind of thinking about a sub. Oh, I got what, I got your thing. But so here was my bitch. And and I, I read a ton of articles today that were all kind of along these lines. It was like, look, you can't afford this, that, or the other thing. Here's five things wholly unlike the thing that you want that you could probably get. Hmm. Like, here's just five other things. And and I I don't... When I was thinking about that, I was like, well, we've done poor man's episodes. Yeah. We've done, hey, you can't buy this for, you know, X, Y, Z reason. These are good alternatives. And I was trying to put my finger on why I felt differently about what we were doing. And articles like this. And and of that ilk. And, and you know, we went just as wild directions. Like, yeah, you can't get an Explorer. But, you know, this is an also an excellent tool. Watch this well-specced. It's got heritage. I think the issue for me is that these are just like either boring or just marketing picks. Hmm. Well, it, you know, it, you went through you went through the watches. I would say, in his defense, I think the only one of these that he sells is the nth watch. Yeah, but the monster that's not even remotely. It, it's not even the same ballpark it's not the same sport <laughs> yeah I, I i don't know i actually kind of like the picks i think you he's like saying, the monster as a pick i like well, i think the aura yeah. 65 is actually a really really great pick if you're looking for a refined dive watch with some horology chops that's well specced mm-hmm. i'm down with that pick and and the black bay is that you know duh I, I mean i'm down with all of these watches are so subjective i think these are cool picks they're off the beaten path um, you know, with the exception of the of the Black Bay 58, obviously, and maybe the Diver 65. But I think he's doing a thing here, and I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I do think that they're, uh, the, the way the article is presented, it feels a little uh, without direction. Maybe that's it. But I got, I got kind of tired of reading the... Oh, well, you can't afford a Rolex. Here's five watches, period. <laughs> Here are watches. Yeah, that you can... There's no... There's no. Well, what's the connection yeah. to the Explorer? Yeah, or the yeah the connection to the, the thing that you want. Because if, if you want a sub... Buy a Seiko Monster. Buy, yeah, buy a Seiko <laughs> Monster. Or, or don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's okay to recognize that you want something and that you can't afford it right now. If those are your, t- if that's the type of thing you like, there's a lot out there for you. Yeah. That aren't a sub. And there's a lot of gateways. Like, hey, this is pretty similar, like a Pelagos. Like, this is a fucking cool tool watch. It's no sub, but it's a cool tool watch. Doxa is a contemporary, super different, but contemporaneous, does the same shit, really fucking cool. Maybe that was my my gripe. I don't know. I got tired of reading articles like that today. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. So we we use a number of different resources to pull articles. You know, usually it's just things we've read. Um, 
things we're interested in, things we've heard about. Uh, but I think we both actually pull sources for the show from Watchville. Mm-hmm. That's like a, a jumping off point for me. Yeah. And as you go through Watchville, you do tend to see, you, you, you know, it's like, oh, uh, Tiso or, or, you know, Bulova released a new watch and they're pimping it hard. And so there's four articles in in a, the span of six because they can they consolidate and there was a couple yeah. of brands today that I saw and I was like yo that watch is exciting it's cool I don't need to see nine iterations of the same article and same photographs right <laughs> and that's how it goes I mean that's how any sort of aggregator is gonna I, I appreciate that watch gauge is is not algorithm driven it's just um. What's the word I'm looking for? In in, in time, right? This is just a feed. Yeah, it's a feed, right? Uh, what's the word <clears> I'm looking for? Anyway, sequential. Sequential, right? It's just this is this is what was was issued, or th- these were the articles that were issued on this day and this day and this day. I like that. You don't have to trust that the algorithm is going to show you the stuff that you want to see. No, the algorithm always is a betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about G-Shock? We should. Cuz I think uh I think G-Shock, I think Casio's doing some shit. They are. They are doing some shit. And I'm excited to see where it's heading. I think we should talk first about the all steel Casio. Yeah. Yeah, so Prior to right now, you could get a a, a Casio, mm-hmm. and you could, in sixty to one hundred and twenty days from somewhere in China, get a any number of places probably signed <laughs> steel mm. Casio case. Definitely signed. Definitely steel because the <laughs> uh, the steel set that I got for the fifty six hundred is signed. And most certainly not made by Casio, but still signed as if it were. Um, so you could build a steel Casio at any given time in the last for two hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, like so all the way in, all, all the way two hundred fifty maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you wanted to get like a special color or like gold or something, yeah. not and not actual gold, but you know gold paint. But now you can just buy that from Casio. From from G Shock, you can buy a stainless steel Casio, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty cool. It's super cool. So it comes in. It's going to come in three colors. We've got classic steel. We've got uh, black and copper. The copper looks very like post-apocalyptic, Mad Max, Water World. Is that what they're calling it? Uh, uh, <clears throat> copper. Coppers. It's copper IP coated. IP coated. Yeah. Uh, okay. But that's what it is. What it reminds me of. It's like a really deep, like almost like like bronze, more so than copper to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's beautiful and is shockingly attractive for a, a G Shock, right? Yeah. I mean, like that. Yeah. Th- this is kind of pushing G Shock into the like. It's still a, a sport watch. It's still a G-Shock, but it's kind of pushing it to that next level of like, I don't know, like a, it's, it's taken it somewhere that it hasn't been before. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think what I, I what I like uh, what I like about these watches is they've made them. It's big. This is a forty five millimeter watch, yeah, uh, it, with a fifty millimeter lug to lug. On on this style of watch, that's a big lug to lug, especially because it's a big ass chunk of metal. Bless you. Excuse me. It, yeah, well, and and you don't have any sort of lugs or or whatever, right? It, I mean, it's just comes off your wrist and it is where it is. Uh, but 12.8 millimeters thick, which, according to uh, Hodinky, that's the thinnest all-metal G-Shock ever made. I, I feel like I want to take umbrage to that just on general principle, but I don't have any, any data to, to support my umbrage. I don't know. We haven't ever measured your G-Shock. It's definitely thicker than that. Is it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a chunk, but it's got a small dial, so it kind of like, yeah, it's kind of appropriate. But I, I'm excited about this because I, I think it's, number one, it's, it's just cool that they're updating this line, that they saw this thing happening in the aftermarket world because the the metal Cassioke mod is not new. Yeah. Nor is it. two Yeah, two years. Yeah. Very popular. Mm-hmm. And they answered it. They're like, hey, we're going to do it better than the aftermarket stuff. We're we're going to do this. And I think that's really cool. And I, I think to see that response is indicative of some things that G-Shock is seeing in the watch community at large. And I think we're going to see some like cool watch people stuff from G-Shock in mm. the next couple years. Yeah. I hope at least. And unless this is just like incidental contact that the that those metal cases have been being produced and tested for years until they finally got it the way that they wanted and they've just been being sold out the back door. Yeah, you know, I think actually I think they're doing it. I don't I don't uh I, I think Casio is sort of all in on the these non sort of traditional, these metal and more fashion G-Shocks. I think they're all in. I think they've, you know, maybe for the last three years have really started to push forward with this. And I, 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 I think you're, I would be shocked if they didn't lean into this hard. With that, the standard GA2100s, the Cassioks, are getting hooked up with Bluetooth connectivity to your phone. Man, oh, man. And solar power. Well, solar power is great. I, I'm, I'm here for it. The Bluetooth connectivity, I guess it's fine. It's making it a smartwatch. I mean, that's the thing. You know, who, who, somebody just dropped a smartwatch this week. Uh, who did it? I don't mm-hmm. know. One of the, one of the big guys dropped like a Turbion smartwatch. <laughs> uh, fuck. I don't, I don't it doesn't know. matter. Uh, it's unobtainium, but it's also like it's not, it's not G-Shock cool. But now we're starting to see we're we're starting to see more smartwatch functionality coming out of these cool tool watches. Yeah, that aren't like you know I'm I'm not bashing on Garmin or Suunto or Apple watches because I think they're very cool. They're awesome technology, but I don't want to wear them because I want to wear an antiquated piece of technology. But to be able to take that antiquated piece of technology and integrate that cool shit into it 
there's something there and that excites me. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, there haven't been a lot of super hit, you know, connected watches or whatever, but G-Shock is doing a couple of them. I mean, some of their, I mean, they have some other smart watches that are doing it, but they've introduced it into the Cassioke line now, solar into the Cassioke line. They've got cool colors. So if you don't want the metal Cassioke, you still got some some options for that Cassioke. I, I have had one in and out of my cart several times. It's one of the tri-colors. Yeah. Can we keep it rolling with Casio? I, I just feel like... I think when we're on the roll. So, a, a brand, a, 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 one of Casio's lines that doesn't get as much love, but that we've talked about on this show, not very recently, but but a lot, especially kind of in our first 50 episodes or so, uh, ProTrack, Casio's ProTrack mm-hmm. line. ProTrack just keeps on humming along, right? Uh they sell, they sell a bunch of watches. They sell a bucket load of watches. They make really cool watches. Nobody in the watch world talks about them because I don't know. Because ABC watches aren't cool. Yeah, but but Protrex are cool. I know I've talked about this on the show before, but I think the Protrex logo is like one of my very favorite things in watches. <laughs> yeah. It's so 1980s. LL Bean. There's no marketing behind the logo. It's yeah. just like this is our name, <laughs> and it's usually like, like it, it's usually like, kind of in an awkward spot and like not centered, um, or cut in like cut into something. <laughs> Here we are. This is a ProTrack made in Maine. Uh, yeah. So so ProTrack dropped a new watch this week. Uh, they're they're cutting into a, a collection they previously released on the biomass collection. And they're calling this the PRG 340, which is elegant as always. <laughs> um, it's a climber series. So this is a watch focused on, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's an ABC watch for n- quote unquote navigators. Um, it, you, you know, when we talk about like Explorer watches or, you, you know, alpinist or whatever like those are watches that were originally designed to meet the needs of people doing mountain climbing or or mountain exploring but this is the watch that people who actually do those things today want Mm -hmm. right if you're gonna climb everest and you wear your explorer you can fuck right off you're gonna wear it on your opposite wrist right just shut up when you climb Everest with your explorer. Because you're also going to wear your sub on your opposite wrist and your dive computer on your normal <laughs> wrist. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And what you got to get one of those compass. You got to get one of those compass bracelets too. Not on your pro track. But yeah, that's right. It, this, so one of the cool things, and I, I don't know if this is a feature of every pro track or if this is unique to the, to the mountaineering climber, um, the lugs on this float so you can swivel them out of the way. And lay it flat down on your map so that you can actually get a good compass bearing off of your flat surface using your watch. That's right. Lock your bezel in and then you're good to go. That's right. This is a rad watch. That's that's like true R&D 
give a shit about the consumer, not the consumer, the end user technology. Totally meaningless to anyone who doesn't need it. But for those that need it, they're like, this is dope. Yeah. I don't need it. That's not important to me. <laughs> it's important to me that they cared enough about it to do it. Yeah. And I mean, it's legit, right? You can get barometric readings. You can get a compass. You can get altitude. My knees uh, are my barometric reader. Temperature. <laughs> uh, I mean, it really does stuff that's cool. Now, the one downside about Protrax, every Protrax I've ever seen is they are... Ugly as sin. I actually kind of like the style, but they are obscenely large. Yeah, that's why I don't have one. This is a 55 millimeter watch. Yeah. 54.7, but it's like, you, you know, once your kid gets two years, stop saying how many they're, months they're they are They're not aged old. in months anymore, yeah. Right. This is, this is a six centimeter watch is what it is. <laughs> when you say it that way. <laughs> I mean... That's enormous. Jeez. Uh, yeah, they're big. Comes in three colors. Black. Green. Here's the exciting one. Titanium. And they're all affordable. Yeah, 280 for the black and the green. Full titanium, 370. For just that technology alone, it's crazy that they can hold that price. Mm -hmm. And then you throw titanium into it. I mean, it's cheaper than a Zunto. Well, I mean, it does less than a Zunto, but... It, I don't know. You're not going to get GPS or, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I don't know. You're, you're not going to, yeah, it's not a full Sunto. But it's also a watch and not a smart watch. Yeah. But it's a, it's a tool. It's a, it's a instrument. You can leave your cell phone at home if you want. You could. You shouldn't, you know, because you can always use 911. And if you're relying just on your compass on your watch because you think you can do it. You know, I read an interesting article today. Uh, this is off topic, but it's it's kind of relatively on topic. A research group in California did a study on search and rescue. As research groups in California are wont to do. They did a they did a study on search and rescue operations as they relate specifically to locations with high social media uh, instances, right? Okay. So the, the, the study has found that the more influencers and people who go to a location to get their glamour pick, it causes a bunch of people who want to go recreate that pick who have none of the know-how none of the inclination and none of the ability to go to those same places then get stuck and require search and rescue activations to nice. rescue them from these exceptionally dangerous wild places. <laughs> and the whole thing was like social media is, is giving people this idea that nature is glamorous and not dangerous. Yeah. The reason wild places are so amazing is because they are untouched by humans. And if they are untouched by humans, it's because they're hard to get to and humans don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. But you know, it, 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 sorry, I'm sure that they did their research, this California research group, but it feels like 
if I have a five panel Patagonia hat, I should be able to get there. You should be able to get there. And if you have, if you have a Patagonia sweater, mm-hmm. you should be able to get back better sweater. Yeah. You should be able to get there and back with just that. But that was the whole thing is it was like, this is the social media is causing so much taxpayer money to be wasted on search and rescue operations because people are getting lost in the wilderness because they don't have their pro tracks. People need a pro track. You need your pro track. Leave your Patagonia. No, no, wear that. Wear that. Okay. So you can wear it. But definitely your pro track also, because that will at least point you South. If you're in California, point your compass West, you will eventually get to a highly populated area. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Put the sun at your back in the afternoon. No, no, no. Use your compass because just just point it west. Follow that. Uh, what's next, mm, friend? Next. Can we talk about a not new brand that did a recent release that is kind of cool? Sure, let's do it. So there's a brand called Redwood Watches. They've been around for a little while, about 2015-ish. I don't know. I, I know that they started out as a Kickstarter funding for their first couple of watches. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many watches they've done, <clears throat> but they've done a watch called the Tactical V2 Frogman. Frogman. But yeah, I was. It's gonna, one word, but so it's Frogman. I was going to question your use of. There's no space. <laughs> frogman, fight me! I mean, there's no space. Frogman. Yeah, it's a Frogman. It. So here's. What got me excited? It's 189 bucks with the solar quartz movement. 40 millimeters, 48 lug to lug. 11.2 with a solar movement, thick. 12.2 with a Miyota 82. Mm-hmm. 20 millimeter strap. 20 atmospheres of water resistance. That's 200 meters. That's 200 meters. Sapphire crystal, 189 bucks on the solar and for the automatic, 269 bucks, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. But for th- this brand is kind of reminiscent of Veyer to me. And I'm, I'm hoping they can generate the same kind of momentum that Veyer has. It's like because, a Canadian Veyer. Yeah, because this is a cool vintage inspired field tool kind of feel watch brand well and this is a this is a uh i'd say an aesthetic that's familiar to us right now you know this is very much in the uh way of torta grayville yes um you, you know the, obviously what's Blanc the pond the boulevard that just dropped and yeah, that's right so yeah. this is a familiar aesthetic but not not exactly the same and, and and it feels like redwood's done their own thing in a way some of these other versions of this watch they, haven't they have done their version of it that's unique to them mm-hmm. it's familiar it works it's super affordable it's well specced it only comes on nylon which is a little bit of a bummer but i th- i think that's how they're keeping their costs quite reasonable it's certainly part of it yeah uh but this is an attractive field watch dive bezel that I dig. They also have a, uh, a 
field V5, which is a field watch. It's not special. It's not unique. It's perfectly boring. But they've done just enough of their own thing with it that I'm like, oh, I kind of like that. This could go amongst other field watches that you own or that I own and not be like thrown in the back corner because it looks like everything else. It's just just got enough of their flair and flavor. And I kind of dig it. This is a, a brand I'm now going to be keep my eyeballs on for future releases. Oh, I will say n- neither one of these. Uh, so neither n- neither the tactical V2 or the field V3 feel particularly uh, interesting to me. They're both pretty generic, I'd say. That's my jam, though. It, the more boring, the more better. The most excitement I want is a GMT hand. I like the fact that you can choose movements. I like their prices. I'm into it. And I think... Canadian fair is perfect. That's the cool thing for me too. I, I really like when brands give you a, Hey, here's our super affordable courts and here is our affordable automatic. Take your pick. We'll put the movement in for you. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's a good, I think that's a good thing. Can we talk about Rolex? Uh, we, you know, we should, we can have we, to, can we talk about Adama Piquet? Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk about crypto bros? Mm, now you have me. <laughs> so this is something I think everybody's kind of seen happening in real time if you're if you're into watches. But Man of Many this week released an article, Nick Hall, 10 August 2022, titled The Crypto Collapse is quote flooding the market, unquote, with Rolex. And Patek Philippe watches. I think it's Patek Philip. Patek Philip watches. Yeah. Um, yeah. They are explicitly, explicitly connecting the fall of crypto to the newfound prevalence of previously hard to get watches on websites such as Chrono Twenty Four. Uh, I think what they're saying in this article, although they're not quite as explicit as I would have liked, is that crypto bros who went hard on Ethereum are now having to sell yep. their show pieces, their I made it pieces. Because they've unmade it. <laughs> because they've unmade it. They got in the bed and now it needs to be made again. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, I think, you know, sometimes you read a terrible story, a sad thing and you're like, fuck yeah. Uh, this feels to me like one of those times I, I, I this is pure schadenfreude and I don't know if there's any way to ever prove this, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. You know, and I'll just say, I, I don't feel, um, happy that people have lost money or uh i'm not sort of they haven't lost money they've lost bitcoin i'm not anti-crypto bro (laughs) and i think that there's a certain amount of tragedy to some some of this stuff right uh but it, it this feels for for folks like me 
who never bit on that train, there feels like a little bit of relief. Like, okay, my reluctance. I I was being reasonable after all. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. My target date mutual funds seem to be okay for right now. Um, (laughs) You know, uh, yeah. And then, you know, of course, like the fact that these assholes all bought, you know. They bought out the market. And and Daytonas and whatever. So, like you said, who knows if we'll ever be able to prove this stuff. But it certainly seems like there's at least uh, commonality, if not causation. I got excited about reading that because as I was reading it, I was kind of like, I don't know how you connect these two things. And then like, I started thinking about it. I was like, no, all these douchers who were pouring everything into cryptocurrency suddenly made a bucket load of money. And those are the people who are buying these high dollar luxury items with money that was kind of meaningless to them. It was imaginary to begin with. They turned it into something tangible to show that they'd made it. And, and now as markets do, it's fluctuated significantly and they're having to make changes. I'm like, but why? And that's where all the luxury watches went. Mm. And obviously not, it's all the luxury watches because they are more than, but not much more than a drop in the bucket of the luxury watch consumer market. But there's enough of them. Like you see five Daytonas on Chrono 24 and you're like, oh, whoa, that's new. Yeah. But it was an interesting article, and I and I thought it was a it, it's an interesting observation and a little bit of Schadenfreude enjoyment there, and just kind of like a almost almost an Onion article in yeah, the way of like, like just like be, just yeah. kind of satirical, but like you know somewhere but actually, somewhere closer to possible. <laughs> actually, maybe true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, it, it it's. Uh, it's just it's just the reality of these things. Money is temporary, whether it's whether it's connected. What's the word they use for? Well, Will just sent us the was it the the month over month average prices for Omega, Rolex, AP. I think so. Yeah, and they're down. 30-ish percent? Yeah, 30-ish percent in the last three months, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, let's be clear. When people are talking about Rolex prices are down, like, we don't mean down. We mean, like, if you bought a Rolex at Q4 2021, you may have lost some money. But <laughs> anything before that, you're probably fine. It, yeah, or we're not if, down. And if if you waited in line at your AD, you're still dramatically up. Yeah, we're, we're not down. We're just less significantly up than we were. It's stabilizing. Maybe that's it. Maybe we're seeing some market stabilization, like some inventory stabilization. Maybe that's what we're seeing. Maybe yeah. that's why prices are coming down a little bit because people's line at their AD are getting a little shorter. 
you know, like, or maybe ADs are not being exactly transparent with what the actual weight is because they're, they're not sure. Like the guy I took my boat to, he's like, yeah, we won't be able to get to it for like two months. And he called me a week later. He's like, okay, yeah, no, we'll probably have the parts in in like a week. I'm like, what? What? So maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe it's like, it's, it's that late, like, like in the army when you're supposed to be somewhere at six 30, your boss tells you, Hey, I need you there at six 20. Hmm. And then that guy tells everyone that works for him. I need you there at six 10. Yeah. And that guy tells everyone that works for him. I need you there at six. And by the time it gets to the end user, Right, like just Joe asshole at the at the squad level. The 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 dude who's actually doing the work, that poor motherfucker is there at four o'clock in the morning <laughs> when the instruction was be there at six twenty. <laughs> yeah, the that is such a true thing, man. Because uh, everyone's scared that they can't rely on the person above or below them to do the right thing. That's. That is a slight exaggeration. Um, it's not. But it, it's not that, I mean, really not at all unusual to see formations occurring upwards towards 40 minutes earlier than they should be occurring. I, I, had, a, I had a core run for the, for the three core birthday. PT starts at 6.30. We knew we weren't going to start running until after the colors go up. I was standing on the parade field, four thirty in the morning. Jeez, yeah. Go army. A is uh, for army. R is for army. Because <laughs> I love the army. <laughs> army, army, army. Exactly. Uh, Andrew, what's next? Next up, I read another interesting article, uh, and I think this is an, kind of akin to to the article that we just talked about. That's kind of speculative, kind of fun, a little bit oniony. From time and tide. Hayek, there could be another collaboration. Which brand will get the next, the moon swatch treatment next? From Luke Benedictus. And it's, the entire article is based on this statement. And I have to find it. It's in the article. It's going to be a swaco monster. I'll just tell you right now. There could be another collaboration. That's the whole article. But that again got me thinking about the phenomena of the moon swatch and what it meant for the Speedmaster and Omega, what it meant for swatch and this cool material they're making watches out of this cool thing where suddenly what is unobtainable to a lot of people became obtainable in a different way. And I got to thinking about other watches that I would like to see mm-hmm. that collaboration in. Mm-hmm. What do you, what, what's, what, what, what rises immediately to the surface, Andrew? Immediately to the surface? The Orfina. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? I'm picking up what you're putting down. How cool would that be? Just a just like a 
any colorway. I mean, take your pick. And 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 the reason that gets me excited is because racing offers so many opportunities for different variations, right? Space offered a finite-ish mm-hmm. amount of choices, right? The planets made sense. But if you go racing, you have a bazillion countries, teams, colorways, options, tracks, cities that you could base your colorways off of to do a dope racing chronograph collaboration. Mm-hmm. That's right where my head went. And and in the in the article, the uh the three watches featured are, are you're not gonna believe it. The Royal Oak. <laughs> a Monaco, which is in like in that vein of Norfina, and I think maybe a Monaco would be cool, but I, I I don't think it'd be as cool as the the lines that you get on the Orfina. And then a Daytona, which would I think be super lame and really uncool to do a, a Daytona moon swatch. Because a, a day, Daytona swatch. I don't know. I feel like that would be a cop out. But if you do something like an Orfina, you do something like Swaychona. Yeah, sure. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what what like what there's so many options out there in the way of iconic watches that have options to turn it on its head and make a dozen different fun new colorways without tarnishing the legacy of the watch. Mm-hmm. I, I know I, I, I have two picks right away. Okay. I know what they are. So the first one, Breitling Navitimer. Ooh, yeah. Second one is Cartier Santos. I want both of I want both of those watches swatch collab yesterday. If oh, I'm just saying a, a plastic Santos. Like I just went from six to twelve, like that. <laughs> a plastic forty five millimeter Navitimer. Swab a timer. Swab timer, I think is what you call it. <laughs> and then you get every airport in the world, right? You, you, The colorways are, are every major international airport. Nailed it. I don't know exactly what you would do with the Santos. Maybe you go aviation themed and you do like World War II fighter jet colorways. But I'm 6 to 12. I, I don't care if it's black plastic. I'm in. <laughs> don't even have to polish it yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, that's interesting I mean who knows it may happen it may not happen uh, I don't know Hayek says <clears throat> Hayek says in an interview you, you don't make a plastic breguet or something like that which you I'm, don't I'm, I'm glad his head's in the right place on this but there's choices out there yeah and I think it, I, I I think it's a cool prospect yeah yeah uh, are we uh, are, are we done here are we? Yeah, sure. I'll just, I'll just go fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got in it. Yeah. What else do you have? I, I'm out of things. I think that, I mean, there's been some, some cool stuff and some stuff that I've read over the last you know, couple of weeks that really chapped my ass and some things that got me excited. You know what chaps my ass? Running without body glide. Yes, precisely. Uh, Andrew. 
other things, meaning things that are not watches, that you're into, into right now, what you got? I watched a Netflix documentary. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> called. It was about, I don't remember what it's called, and I apologize for that. It was about Woodstock 99. And... <clears throat> I watched a show. I don't know the name of it. I, it's so Woodstock gonna 99. You're going to see Woodstock 99. I'm Googling it live. Um, <laughs> well, we'll wait. I'll be here. And you're just going to cut out the silence anyway. They're going to think it was so fast. No, I'm not cutting out the silence. I'm leaving every bit of your delay in the show. Yeah, we, this is still delay. He's... Furiously scrolling. Thumbs moving. Watch Trainwreck. So it's called Trainwreck, Woodstock 99. Trainwreck. The tile is a burning porta potty. <laughs> so I um I saw a tile that said Trainwreck, Woodstock 99. And I was like, I got time. And I'm also curious. The fuck is Woodstock '99? Cause you're a baby. Cause I so what what I realized is I was just like I was born in '89, so I'm I remember the year 1999 really vividly, and and the rear the the year 1999 for me is highlighted by Y2K. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. Cause I was influenced by what was being pushed down to me, right? I was still, I mean, I was 10 years old. So I wasn't quite in the, like, reach out into the world around me. You you weren't doing a ton of independent thinking. And what, yeah, right? I'm 10 years old. What I came to realize was that there were two attempted, through, through this documentary and then subsequent reading, there were two attempted revivals of Woodstock one in 96 which was a bust Mm -hmm. and then one in 99 which was a fucking catastrophe Mm -hmm. not a bust extremely popular well-funded lots of money lots of money lots of backlash lots of failures lots of lessons learned that maybe probably weren't ever put to use it is a fascinating documentary. So the the documentary crew talks to the production team who have this wide array of opinions, right? The executives are like, no, we did great. You know, some things went wrong. You know, I don't know. What, what do you want from us? There's that many people. How are you going to control it? But we did our best and it was great. It was good. And then junior level producers were like, yo, this was like red flags from the beginning Everything was a shit show. I'm surprised more people didn't die. And then they bring in, they were able to find people pretty easily, I imagine, who attended Woodstock 99 and got their opinion. So it was this this stratified day-by-day recounting of this disaster of a music festival that was, it, it was trying to smash a square peg into a round hole for profit generation. 
profits were generated and it destroyed ever the idea of this type of music festival happening again. It was fascinating. It was super cool because it was in 1999, right? That's not that long ago. Tons of video from the music festival itself. Virtually everyone who was there covering it is still alive, giving interviews, producing staff, executives, everyone's there. I was like, yeah, we'll talk about this. Mm-hmm. It was fascinating. It was super captivating. And and the it I wish they would have spent more time about the on the music that was there. Mm-hmm. That was kind of an afterthought. It was the production of the event itself. The music was was a component, but it wasn't the component. I'm pretty sure Limp Biscuit was there. Limp Biscuit was there. Chili Peppers were there. Cheryl Crow was there. Yeah, I mean, it was like a, a pretty it was, dope. It was a pretty dope mascot. Huge. Yeah, I mean, well, let's let's look at the. Um, we we have. We're we're let's go to main stage. So the pre-show, we're gonna skip that. The fluffers, Kid Rock, Wyclef John, Counting Crows, Dave Matthews Band, Alanis Morissette, Limp Biscuit, Raging Against the Machine, Metallica, Ice Cube, Everclear, from Portland. Yeah, Willie Nelson, Corn, Fatboy Slim, Jewel, Jewel, right? That's weird. Creed, Chili Peppers, Godsmack, Megadeth. Just like everyone who was anyone in the 90s yeah. is there. I don't know if Megadeth was anyone in the 90s, but they were certainly someone in the 80s. That's a good, that's a, and that's, that's an interesting. That was just me pulling out time capsule. We'll have to go check yeah. that out. Well, definitely if watch it. And, and for anyone who was self-aware in the 90s and is, na- is I mean, you, you means you're self-aware now, it, it's a, it's an interesting look at like this cultural shift between Woodstock 69, the executive staff who was, the, who were the same executives who produced Woodstock 69 and their expectations of a music festival in 99. And you see this thing happening in 99 and you're like, yeah, that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Duh. Like, Oh wait, no, that's, that, that's different. It was it was interesting. I'm gonna check it out. I'm looking forward to it. Do it. It's three. It's three episodes. Thing. So I think you're gonna do it like three hours. I've I've also got a music related other thing, Andrew. Wow, look at us go. We're I've, so cultured. I've actually got a podcast that I want to talk about, but I'm not quite there yet. Okay. Uh, I I have not. I I there's I, I want to listen to some more of it before I talk about it on the show, but just fair warning, get excited. I'm going to be talking about a podcast coming up pretty soon. Uh, I used to own a pair of speakers, desktop speakers, <laughs> that I ran through my computer, made by a company called Edifier, uh, which makes really good audio stuff. That is not my other thing, because. I had a pair of Edifier 1280s, which are kind of a famous, affordable desktop speaker. They were really nice. They sounded really good. Kind of big. 
Um, but just beautiful, lovely, great sounding speakers. Uh, overpowered for anything I needed. And they got burgled a few years ago. Burgled, yeah. I My law office was broken into. Many things were stolen. Many Nose hair trimmers. <laughs> correct. Many important things. Uh, the least of which were my edifiers and my nose hair trimmers. Like, it just wasn't a big deal. So, um, Not in that order, though. Yeah. <laughs> so I had these very nice speakers, and I, I have not been able to bring myself to replacing them for a couple of reasons. They were big. They're, they're big. Um, each of them was probably, I don't know, five by seven by maybe 10, you know, they're big speakers. Those are These, like stage speakers. They're big, right? Oh, uh, inches. In, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're big, but I mean, pretty big to go on your desk. So yeah, that's a, that's a big desk speaker. And they're, and they're not expensive. It's like 150 bucks, maybe hundred. And they come bucks. in a pair, right? You're they not come, buying individually. That's right. They come in a pair. Uh, but I haven't been able to to bring myself to replacing them until this week. I had these Logitech speakers that I just picked up in the office, and they've been on my desk. They're fine, right? You can play music through them. Adequate. Yeah, adequate. They're fine. They're fine. And one Mike Razak. So I, I sent a picture of my desk to our little group text, and... <laughs> One Mike Razak says something to the effect of, uh, Everett, I am scandalized to see basic bitch speakers on your desk because he knows I'm a thing. I'm a person who likes nice things. And you can't even imagine what was on his computer screen that <laughs> Mike just looked right past. Uh, and I was like, yeah, well, I had the edifiers and they got stolen and blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Uh, I was inspired this week to find new speakers. Well, one will the watch clicker daddy daddy said, Hey, I've got these speakers called creative is the brand pebbles. Uh, and I think they're great. They sound good. They're affordable. Um, yeah, I'd recommend them. And so I, quickly googled creative pebble and i read a bunch about these and they're about a third to a quarter of the price of my edifiers they're also pretty small it's like they each of them are the so, size of like a fat can of soda like baseball a uh, softball mm, okay yeah, yeah like a softball um and reviews on them are generally good that you know if you get into like the deep audiophile neckbeard threads people are like oh but you know, basically everybody else is like, yeah, they're rad. They sound great. That's universal for neckbeard sounds, though. <laughs> so I picked up a couple, uh, a couple of these, a pair of these, uh, just one pair, to be clear. And they came in yesterday. They came in yesterday. I also, at the same time, had ordered a new dock, um, uh, a Thunderbolt 4 dock, which came in just a day after my speakers. So the speakers came in yesterday. I hooked them up on my old non Thunderbolt four dock, which is really kind of an underpowered dock. And they sounded not great. They sounded not great. Uh, they sounded fine, but not great. Cause these are USB speakers. And so they're powered through the USB. Are you getting, did you have creative pebble? 
V2 or V3? V3. So so I did get the V3s, better drivers, um, Bluetooth connectivity. <coughs> not that I'll probably use that. Um, yeah, so I got these things. My old dock, they were unimpressive. Kind of thin, kind of tinny, didn't love them. My new dock came in today with, you know, really sort of modern, powerful USB outlets, 10 gig on everything. And I plugged them in and they sound great. You know, I work in an office with other people, so it's not like I'm, you know, blasting the root uh, in the middle of the day or whatever, right? But why not? You own the place. (laughs) That's true. I do own the place. I could do whatever I want. However, in the spirit of professionalism, I do not do that. Uh, But yeah, man, gosh, these sound great. I'm so happy that Mike made fun of my basic bitch Logitechs because they were pretty crappy. Um, And now I have these new, attractive, not basic bitch, although they still might be kind of basic bitch, but whatever, I don't care. They sound great. Um, This is basic bitch like black coffee, no cream from Starbucks. Yes. Yeah. As opposed to like 18 ingredients. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an improvement. Uh, I'm really happy with them for desktop speakers. How much do they cost? 40 bucks. Yep. That's the one I was looking forward to. That's 40 bucks. Crazy affordable for speakers that are going to give you some ass. Yeah. I mean, certainly enough ass for my desk Mm -hmm. at work. Yeah. I, I mean, they're, it's way, they go up way louder than I have any business playing these at work. I think you're really positioning yourself to be the kooky partner who like <laughs> this blast music who, who like no one bothers. Everyone just like I gives play, tribute to, I play guitar. I play the guitar in my open door office in the middle of the day to yeah. unwind. Yeah. Uh, you're there at three 30 in the morning and no one knows why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Creative pebble V threes. Uh, I will connect these to YouTube before too long and tell you guys what I think because I'd like to do that. To YouTube? YouTube, Bluetooth. Yeah. Did I say YouTube? You said YouTube. I meant Bluetooth. I was like, what happens on YouTube that is... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You you know. I'm not the doctor. It's how we do. Uh, And that's it. That's all I have to tell you about. Until my podcast gets to the place where I can talk about it, it's just creative Pebble V2s. That's what I'm talking about. I also bought a $300 dock, but I don't want to talk about it. Because that's just, that's real basic bitch shit. I don't want to talk about it. Well, we've done it. Episode 199 in the can. You know, next week when we record, it's our 200th episode. Yeah. Whoa. 200th episode. So if you're here an hour, six minutes in... And you want to get, uh, you, you want us to shout you out on the show next week. We should do something for 200. I think what you do, message us between now and then, say what it is you want to say, and we'll figure out how to incorporate it. Yeah. That's uh, a fuckload of hours you've listened to us. It's a lot, you guys. It's a lot. It's kind of extra, frankly. If you, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks. Thanks. And we're sorry. Yeah, yeah, a lot of apologies. It's awesome. Andrew, what do you want to add before we hang it up for the day? I added the thing. That was all I wanted to mention. This is 199. It's special. It's the end of an era. End of an era. Last last hundreds digit episode. Single hundreds. 
yeah hey you guys thanks for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20 of the watch clicker podcast you can check us out on instagram at 40 and 20 or at watch clicker look we post things there every once in a while well, at least will does uh also check out the website really that's the goods guys watchclicker.com always good shit on there and you can check us out on youtube as well mm-hmm. if you want to support what we're doing and we really 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 hope you do because all this shit takes money you can do that at watchclicker.com nope patreon.com slash 40 and 20 uh give a buck two bucks three or 20 it doesn't matter we'd love to have your support and frankly we need your support we need it mm-hmm. and uh don't forget to tune back in next thursday for another hour of watches food drinks life and other things we like bye-bye <laughs>